Alrighty, and welcome to the Two Gargoyles Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McAdam, with my co-hosts, Mike Rieger. Sup? Uh, Kyle Burles. Word. And our special American correspondent, Jeremy Few. Say hi, Jeremy. Hello. It's Jeremy. audio <laughs> format, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, this is like, <laughs> there is a video format, but we have to remember for the audio people at home. <laughs> Every time what do Jeremy's you, the audio people at home, think? <laughs> we have uh, uh, a good topic today uh, because, of course, we've been talking about making your own comics. But now, haha, uh, marketing is what we're going to try and tackle today. Marketing your own comics. Um, figuring, like, now that you have this thing, how do you get it out to people to read? And I know that right away there's at least 10% of you out there that were like, I don't want to talk to people. Can you just make my comic go out there? Yeah. <laughs> Mike quietly raises his hand. But um, hopefully um, you'll get some inspiration from this and learn how to market your comic um, for yourself and uh, have build your audience without necessarily having to be at the mercy of your audience. So let me see. What's going on new in Two Gargs this week? Well, let me see. Comixology, uh, Mike's comic, Twilight Detective Agency Girls Out, issue two drops on August 12th, I believe. It does, probably. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and so stay tuned uh, to Comixology uh, for that. Uh, once again, Twilight Detective Agency, Girls Out, Issue 2. Um, Jeremy is hard at work on Diaper Man Meets Milk. Uh, what page was that you just sent me? Jeremy just sent me a penciled page. Page 10. Page 10. Okay, so we're chugging right along on that. And it's uh, it's goofy, zany, fun, and possibly mm -hmm. porny. There's oh, <laughs> He's got the example right there. Well, that one panel. That one panel, yes. There's a lot of innuendo going on in that panel. No, no. <laughs> it's milk. That's all I'm going to say. The liquid is milk. That's, that's where we're going with that. Does it count as innuendo if it's the title? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's in your face, though. Uh, Kyle, you just did a new print of uh, Lance Reddick from Fringe. Well, it wasn't a print so much as a commission. But... A commission? Nice. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? What's your next project? What's your next print? Uh, I'm not sure. I know I got a couple ideas. I want to redo my Dr. Snuggles as Dr. Who poster, because I want to oh. do a bit more of a proper poster. Cause... Dr. Snuggles or Dr. Giggles? Dr. Snuggles. Oh. 80s cartoon, um, British cartoon with the creepy doctor who invents things and has companions and is essentially Doctor Who, but with animals. Doctor Snuggles. I'm delightfully disturbed already. I think that's fantastic. Um, as for me, still writing, um, trying to find artists for various projects. Uh, and I found, okay, here's an interesting topic. Everybody uses PayPal, or at least most people use PayPal. So if you're commissioning an artist, who pays the PayPal fee? <laughs> Mike, your opinion? I would say the artist does. Mm -hmm. But then they pass that on to the commissioner and their prices invisibly. Well, exactly. So if you, if, for example, you say, I charge $50 uh, per page for like pencils or whatever, um, I, the commissioner, would expect to then pay $50. Because yes. I assume that the artist has already factored in their expenses to that rate. Um, but maybe you have a different opinion. Kyle, you said yes. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. But mostly because, you know, it's basic sales concept of, you know, you can't 
if you're going to advertise and that's what you're charging, that's what you're, the customer's expecting to pay. Exactly. There's literally laws against that of going on, oh, yeah, by the way, we told you it was $20, but I forgot to mention this fee. <laughs> and unless you're a cell phone company. <laughs> right. Totally. Those go over really well. Um, I think your guy wanted to, you to pay for it versus like money from friend to friend instead of payment for goods and service, right? Um, actually, uh, we hadn't had the discussion uh, because I have been doing business this way for so long. I just assumed everybody did it the same way. But he was surprised when I paid his page rate and a fee was taken out. And he said, oh, please don't use my money to pay fees. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm paying for a goods and service. Now, there are some people that will be like, could you send it as friend to friend so that I don't have to pay the fee? Which means, you know, I, the commissioner, would end up paying the fee, but also don't really have the uh, safety net that sending to goods and services does. And so that's kind of a shady practice as well, I think. There's a little scam going around, particularly on Etsy sellers, where people will buy a thing pay for it with PayPal and then reverse the charges once it arrives and say, oh, I never got it. PayPal almost always sides yeah. with the buyer the instead buyer. of the seller. Yeah. So then they get the object and then a free thing. So I can kind of see why people are trying to get away from that by doing a friend to friend money transfer instead of a goods and service money transfer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's been uh, pretty much since PayPal started, though. People have been pulling that shit. Yeah, that's, and that's true. That's food for thought, too, right? I mean, like, both parties, the artist and the commissioner, want to protect themselves from fraud, right? So um, my only recommendation there is start small. You know, don't pay for a whole big project all at once. Um, do it piecemeal until you've developed that relationship. Um, and once you've got the relationship, once the wheels are running, um, then, you know, whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Jeremy, have you ever had any PayPal problems? Um, not really. I mean, I, I expect to have a the PayPal fee taken out whenever I draw anything for anybody. So it's mm -hmm. not a big deal. I'm like, it's only a couple bucks anyway. What's, what's yeah. that going to do? Like, oh, that's a McDonald's meal. <laughs> so you factor <laughs> that, but you factor that into your rates though, right? Like yeah. when you say, I'm charging that, yeah. like you, you in your mind are like, yes, this fee. I'm going to sure. include that's, this. If fee. that's what I'm saying, I'm charging. That's what I'm going to charge. I'm not going to be yeah. like, oh, there's PayPal fees. Like, that's obvious. Any any service that'll transfer money is going to charge a fee. It's not just like they're doing it for nothing. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't um, go into a store and go, oh, I'd like to buy this, you know, you know, bag of chips, but <clears throat> don't use my money for the GST. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, for our Amer our American listeners, GST is goods and services tax. <laughs> Or, or just tax, if you'd like yeah. to call it that. Okay, well, that's a that's a good thing to know because, uh, yeah, when you're you know paying each other over PayPal, um, maybe have a, just a quick chat about it before you start the process, like about what the expectation is, um, just in case you know somebody's operating on a different wavelength than you. I learned that lesson this week, so mm -hmm. um, I'm passing on my experience to you. And don't forget to add in the furry surcharge. Or fur charge. The fur charge, yes. Uh, Mike's, Mike's, Mike's once bitten, charge. twice shy uh, <laughs> um, attitude towards furries in this yeah. instance is, is well warranted. Um, and, uh, as much the bitten is the sucking. And the email me soon so I know. Um, yes, that kind of thing. It's like, 
could you please email me every 36 hours with an update on my commission? <laughs> uh, yeah, here's a hint. Don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. When you're first commissioning an artist, ask them what their turnaround rate is. Let them tell you what to expect and then go, okay. And then don't bother them until after that turnaround date has passed. And then go, hi, just wondering, you okay. know. Yeah, exactly. I see you're posting other artwork that isn't mine. Why are you posting right. artwork oh. that isn't the one I've drawn? Ooh, I have a hard time with that. Oh, I do. Yeah, Mike's pointing at me. I'm totally oh. getting called out here. Um, I will admit that uh, if I see an artist posting artwork after my deadline has passed um, and they've assured me that it's being worked on, I, it's very hard for me to shut up and say nothing because they could be posting older art. They could be, you know, just keeping up with what they already had in the in the hopper, so to speak. But yeah, as a commissioner, it does bother me um, when I feel like I'm being put on hold and yet I see fresh new art being put up. It's kind of like, ah, uh, do I exist? What's going on with that? However, there's one rule of thumb that I like to remember and remind myself of. It's be curious, not furious. Do not assume you're being screwed over, ask a question. And maybe try not to sound accusatory in your email. Like, I see you're posting new stuff. I'm just wondering, you know, like, don't, don't do that. Just yeah. say, hi, update, please. See how that goes. Don't be, be, be passive aggressive either. Yes, yes, be straight up aggressive. Just no, aggressive aggressive. <laughs> be, no, be passive, be passive aggressive. <laughs> Remember, always be kind. Right? Because you may want to work with this person again. You know, don't burn bridges. There we go. And that's a message to myself as well as to everyone listening. Like, I will try to keep my temper. And how dare you post new art? Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. Which is a good segue into the new art of what we are reading this week, comic wise. Um, now, Kyle, you had just picked up a, a favorite. I didn't pick it up. Recently, I've had it for a bit, but I wanted to reread it recently. It was Dave Stevens' original run of The Rocketeer. Nice. Mm. What drew you to that comic? Dave Stevens' artwork, almost entirely. Yeah. Um, I, I, love the the, I love the stories, you know, I, you know, as most people may realize now, or the five people that are watching, you know, I like old, outdated things. What? So, you know, a comic set in the 40s is... It's kind of my bag, baby. It's right up your alley. Yeah, so you, you really enjoy the, uh, the, well, historical. Is it, it, but would you call it historical or would you just call it like period? You know, like um, does it evoke a period more than historically oh, accurate? Absolutely. Well, not historically accurate, but no. pretty darn close, actually. As we don't Outside actually have a lot armies of, of rocketeers. Yeah. No. <laughs> Jeremy, what did you read this week? Um, I've been reading <laughs> old comics, um, the new Excalibur from 2007. I started reading new mutants for like the third time. I don't really know the characters. So, um, besides I've read like their wikis, but I may as well just read the comics too, since they're just available. And so. they've got a movie coming out yeah. eventually at some point. It's supposed to be August. You never know though. Yeah. And uh, what you're a big X-Men fan, hey? Like, you really liked 90s animated X-Men. A little bit. And <laughs> you're uh, sort of filling in the blanks now with your, uh, like, historical X-Men reading, yes? Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, because, you know, 
when you become an adult and you get bills, you have to kind of put stuff like comics to the side when, when it comes to just buying them. Still drawing them, of course, but as far as, you know, throwing a bunch of money down at the comic store, it's not really something you can do if you have to, you know, eat. Stupid reality. Stupid I know. adulting. Ugh. Mike, you're a, uh, a big fan of digital comics, and I think you subscribe to Doctor Who, and you mentioned something else, and I forget what it was. On Comixology, uh, Doctor Who Exorcisters right now. Mm-hmm. A couple other things. But I haven't been reading anything this week, so don't ask me. Oh, okay. I, I get, won't I ask do work. <laughs> You've been working like a, a mad dog. I'm reading, uh, I read the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. Um, which has many various uh, Green Lantern stories in it from different points of view, which I adore. And I got sucked into, uh, when DC did their whole New 52 thing, I was not on board. I was like, no, quit rebooting everything all the time. But now, retroactively, I've started reading Green Lantern from the New 52 era, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, so I bet I that guy on the cover turns out to be evil. Oh, uh, no. his, name, his name is Sinestro. Which, as you know, is Latin so for good guy. So he's probably great, then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Green Lantern, Volume 1, Sinestro. Um, what I really like about that comic is, yeah, Sinestro's the bad guy, but you could totally see his spoilers. motivation. The, spoilers, please. It's like, where have you... I, I did say 80th anniversary of Green Lantern, right? Like 80 years of There's of no history. time limit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, Mike and I have talked about villains before where the best villain is the one that does not believe they're a villain at all and in fact can prove it um, because they, their motivations make perfect sense to the reader. And that's kind of what Sinestro is like. I mean, he's still a jerk, but that's not enough to make him a villain. Mm-hmm. Subjugating whole planets is, but we, we, we won't get into that. <laughs> he was forced to by circumstance. That's right. He had to stay where society had put him. <laughs> they made him. Uh, that's a whole different conversation. Anyway, so getting on to the marketing. Okay, let's assume you've created your comic, whether it's a web comic or a print comic or what have you. You've created it. It's done. It's ready to go. Now what? How do you get people to read it? How do you get people to even know about it? Well... Let's start with the easiest thing, social media, okay? For me, there are really three social medias that I use, and of course your mileage may vary on this, but I use Facebook, I use Twitter, and I use Instagram. Those three things seem to cover quite a broad base um, of fans, Um, and the key to it, of course, is you have to be constantly current and updating Um, you don't have to put out like actual new pages of content or whatever every week but you should be putting out something a sketch a drawing a doodle um, a A picture of your dog a picture of your dog people freaking love that I mean I mean (laughs) it, it brings your audience closer to you anything that does that is worthwhile I mean obviously don't forget your comic in favor of pictures of you with your dog but you know like Keep publishing. I Myself, I like to put up at least one new thing a week. Um, if I were the artist myself, I might sketch something and put up more stuff. But as it is, once a week is my, my sort of rate on that. I'm going to go over to Kyle now. Um, and 
Kyle, tell us about your, because like you're much more doing the art every day uh, than right. I am. So tell us about that. Um, well said. I'm always, you know, always up to posting. And if I don't have stuff to post, so I will, I will figure stuff out. I will find, you know, I will post some older art. I will post, you know, especially if it's relevant to say, you know, hey, it's Hal Linden's birthday. Well, here's a Barney Miller print I posted up at one point, you know. And um, I said, always just keep it at it. it it's because if your cust- if well, customers, your viewers, your customers, what have you, aren't constantly being, you know, shown stuff, they will forget about you. Yeah. So it's a reminder a- as much as a promotion. Yes. Yes. How often do you post? At least once a day, I try. At least. Once a day. That's cool. Yeah. So obviously. Five times a day is a little excessive. But. <laughs> well, obviously, you're not putting up brand new, fully colored, completed work like once a day. No. Or, you know, like cause that's a, like a lot. Um, so like you said, you are finding stuff that's relevant, stuff from the past, um, a doodle here, a doodle there. Um, so that's, that's your modus yep. operandi? Always be closing. <laughs> Always be closing. A, B, C. Coffee's for closers. Yes. Because the only one thing counts in this life is getting them to sign on the line that is dotted. For those of you that have not seen the Shawshank Redemption. Which Google... wouldn't affect him because the movie I'm referencing is Glengarry Glen Ross. Glenn Ross. Oh. Right. What the hell? Shawshank Redemption. those who haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> have you seen it? <laughs> you have no idea how embarrassed I am right now. Oh my god! Climbing to a cavern of shit. Oh, so we gotta yes. like tweet the producers about the, trying to watch this program so we can, you know. Really yeah. You know what first prize is? Getting out of prison. You know what second prize is? A set of steak <laughs> knives. Shanked in the shower. <laughs> oh my god! Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Google it, and uh, on on YouTube, look it up on YouTube, and the first thing you'll probably find is the closer speech with uh, Alec Baldwin. So have a look at that. It's a great mantra to repeat to yourself, especially when you're trying to get up the gumption to sell things. Until you oh actually watch God. the movie and realize that the whole kind of purpose of the movie is the how evil and negative you know, sales yeah. is in life. Then turn that up. Uh, still is an amazing movie. Written, you know, David Mamet is amazing. Yes. Still a great movie. And a quick break from Sherry, who says, am I the only one that's going to say hi to Pepper? Hi, doggy. Hi, Pep. Everyone say hello. (laughs) Mike's chair walrus. (laughs) Pepper Pitbull. Miss Pity, if you're nasty. Uh, So, uh, Jeremy, um, you also do um, posts online, but you take a different tack, I think. You tend to post stuff that you know is well received by one or two people like you actually you were saying i like to get people's attention by drawing stuff i know they like tell us a little bit about that (laughs) well you know if you have a certain follower or two that just always comment on something and you know they like a certain thing just draw some quick little thing for just for them and you'll you know they're just going to retweet it and love it so it gets it gets feedback it's nice you know other people get to see it and comment on it too you you get to know other fans that like the exact same thing that that one person likes too so you're just gonna get maybe five or six more people that are watching your stuff that you didn't have before 
Yeah, and that's building your audience. Like that's yeah. marketing right there. Um, no matter how casual it may feel or seem, like it actually is having an effect. So, I mean, good for you. Um, right now, uh, a lot of your feed, like you enjoy doing the art prompt months. Yeah. Like you just did July. Yeah, there or was a... Was, uh, was Marvel July? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was It was like hashtag Marvel July. I just ran across some somebody that I was following was participating in it. And I was like, why didn't I know about this? So I jumped on a little bit late in the month. But um, it was just prompting you to draw whatever this character or that um, stuff that I would never normally draw on a regular occasion. Just, you know, like, like She-Hulk or the Punisher. I would never think to draw that just on my own. So it's nice just to find whatever prompts are going on um, and just join into that. And then you get to see everybody else that's participating as well. And um, they'll also, if, if they're doing it, they probably follow the hashtag too. So they're just going to just generate more views. Yeah, because you're joining awesome. in on a community for one thing. Yeah. Um, you're drawing stuff that, like, I mean, Marvel has a huge fan following, right? So just drawing that attracts fans that might never have heard of you because you drew their favorite character. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and so that's, it's a fun exercise but it's also a great way to you know just add you keep adding to the pile you keep adding to your list of viewers yep now i'm gonna go out on a limb here one of the things you have to do and i'm i'm pretty adamant on this is if you're serious about getting your book out there um the internet is not your last stop you have to go out into the physical real world and you've got to show your stuff and the best way to do that is to have a table at a convention because literally that's where your audience gathers in huge throngs, right? That's where comic nerds go. That's the watering hole that everyone, you know, drinks out of, right? You've got to show your stuff at a convention. And here to talk about marketing your table at a con to get attention, we're going to start with master strategist Mike Rieger. It is a strategy. I think of it as trying to win a goal. Uh, it's important to put yourself in the mind of the person who doesn't know anything about you, and it's just sort of breezing by your table at a there. Thanks, Kyle. Breezing by your table at a giant, giant convention that's just a cacophony of visual things. It's the reason that's important is because you know what your comics about, and so you kind of think that everyone knows what your comics about because to you it's obvious, and you have to remember that it isn't at all at all. So you need to figure out what you want to uh, show people in the quickest amount of time in like the shortest possible way. Like for Two Gargoyles comics, you see the banner behind Michael. We, uh, it's important that we're showing a diversity of comics. So we used a lot of rainbow colors because that's an easy way to get that symbol across. Um, he's got a large banner with all six of his characters across of it. So people can see immediately that he sells comics. They're diverse. They're indie because we put that across your banner. I think Indian Canadian is on the front thing. Mm -hmm. Indian, yeah, the big on, the, on the on the big on the Ind backdrop. Independent, independent <laughs> comic. <laughs> yeah, and this that is way, my small people who want that will find you immediately out of that din of uh, all the other comics banners. So you've got to figure out what sets you apart. Just I do comics doesn't set you apart at all. You've got to figure out what makes your comic special, and then how to to communicate that to a person it's like a split second visual. 
Yeah, before the show, we were talking about some questions that you need to answer for yourself before you even start the process of, of figuring out your, your table setup. And it's, what are you trying to achieve? Like, specifically, other than just sell comics. Sell what comics. are you personally trying to achieve? Who is your audience? Who should you be marketing to? I mean, it's easy to say, well, everyone. I want everyone to buy my comics. Like, yeah, do you want a seven-year-old to buy your comics? Do you want a 47-year-old to buy your comics? Do you want a mom with two children to buy your comics? Do you want a single dad? Like, who is your audience? Who's going to really respond to it? Um, me, I, I have a diverse LGBT uh, flavored kind of thing. So I tend to market more towards LGBT people, even though that is not all that I do. Um, but they're definitely someone I want to market towards. Thus, the rainbow, the bright colors. Um, and I actually have an LGBT comic specifically. So that yeah. sort of figured into my... It's life. not that you won't sell to the straights. But oh, you want right, to stand right. out to the other people, to people who are looking for LGBT comics to find exactly. you. Exactly, yes. Because you can't be all things to all people, right? Like, that's a marketing mistake, right, Mike? Like you can't, yeah. you can't just be everything. Well, you're in a giant room with 300 other people who are trying to do that. So, good yeah. luck. <laughs> Mike had an amazing display um, back when he was doing Doctor Who characters on magnets. Tell us about the thought process on how to market that, Mike. Oh, it was a lot of uh, trial and error. Like, it turned out pretty good at the end because I had the magnets on flat sheets of tin that were at eye level but at a 40 degree angle but they were real shiny and people could touch them and pick the magnets back up and stick them back down which they like because generally people are parrots in a very real way yeah they want they like bright colors and they want to touch stuff yes but still that was a lot of, that was an evolution over time of just what worked and what didn't yeah and i mean be okay with that you know when you're setting up your stuff you will learn every show you go to and this is the thing when you go to a show, see what other people are doing. Walk around the show. See what, how people have set their tables up. Be inspired by it. You know, uh, realize that, hey, maybe I could do what, well with that kind of display, whatever. Um, one of the things I liked most about Mike's Doctor Who display is he actually made a blue TARDIS lamp for the top, the very, very top of the display. So from like two rows away, you could see this blue light. And it was like, oh, what's that? That looks interesting. Like, it drew me in. And I thought that was quite brilliant marketing. Um, especially because it is thematically apt for what he was selling at the time. But no smashing of pots. No, that does not drag people no into your... No, Lord. To the people out there who run Pot Smash, where every time you buy something, you get to smash a little clay pot, just know that we hate you. And so do most of the people who go to the convention because noise frightens people that have social anxiety. So stop making noise. Yeah, resist also, the temptation to make noise. Yes. <laughs> don't play music at your table. Don't do it. Just don't. Unless you're selling music. <laughs> right? And even then, your table neighbors are not going to be happy with you. <laughs> uh, let's see. So another thing, too. Remember that you are your product as much as your comic is. If people are going to come buy your stuff, they're going to want to put a face to the name that's on the comic. And I know that this is going to be hard for many people because it, it's intimidating 
to stand behind the table and have people come up to you and go, oh, wow, tell me all about your life, blah, 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 blah. It's hard. But you don't Jerry and I wear a hat and we put our heads down. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those, those of you who are artists who think, well, I'll just be at the table with my head down sketching. You can't do that unless you have a table partner that you've, you've got specifically to do the talking for you. Because when people see you not engaging, they won't want to engage. They will feel like they're bothering you. They won't come up to your table. They won't uh, ask you any questions because your whole body language is like, go away. Uh, yeah. Kyle, you pretty much are on your feet the entire yeah. day. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, you got You can't engage your customers if you're sitting down. If you're not paying attention, customers are there. They want to buy things. You need to be there to bring them in. If you are sitting down, I think they're going to go. If you, especially if you're down, their eye level's up here. They will not see you necessarily. They want you to draw them in. It's instead. It's one of the best things you know. I can recommend it overall is to pick up a book on sales, just in yeah. general. It doesn't necessarily have to be about comics. It doesn't have to be about you know conventions. You know, a basic thing of basic marketing and selling. Their basic tenets that you, you know, that are important. You know, and customer interaction is entirely the bread and butter of you selling your stuff. Yeah, you're you're the final point. Now, when I say you. It is perfectly okay to have a table partner that does that better than you. If, oh, yeah, absolutely. If, if it sucks for you, yeah, right? If you can't yeah. do it. But <laughs> like, uh, Mike, and, yeah, like Mike uh, has done two issues of a comic all by himself, like, you know, like everything start to finish. But Mike hates, and I don't think that's too strong a word, um, the, the sales part, the social interaction part, right? So he and I partnered up. Um, so that his comic could be on my table and I could talk about it for him um, and make it part of my whole thing. Um, because we've worked together for so many years, right? We've found a, a rhythm in our partnership that allows us to do that. So the advice we're giving you today, if you feel like you personally can't do it, grab a friend. Say, would you like to come to my table and have a free membership to the convention if you just stand behind my table and hawk my stuff for me, please and thank you. Um, because people, uh, you know, your friends will want to help you out, you know, and hey, getting a, a free membership into the convention, that's kind of fun too, right? Yeah, make that extra useful. Yep. Yes. Now, speaking as the writer, I actually like to have an artist at my table, even if they don't engage, right? Because at least there's a person there that I can turn to and say, yeah, the artist is here. He'll be happy to sign your work for you, right? And um, you get to maintain the mystique of being an artist because you don't have to speak. <laughs> you know? They just uh, Jeremy, become a prop in your sales pitch. Pretty much, pretty much. I've, uh, like, Jeremy has been my table mate for several conventions, and Jeremy does not enjoy the, the, the sales aspect of it. So, But I found, Jeremy, that you do open up so long as there's a buffer between you and uh, the other people. And that helps you market your stuff and your prints and whatnot because there's someone else to help you speak. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Appropriately, one word answer. Yes, appropriately. <laughs> yeah. So do remember, your product is you. You are 
your product, you know, um, and if you absolutely cannot speak about it, then get someone else to do it. Which brings us to elevator pitches. At a convention, you're going to be talking about your book or books uh, all day long. An elevator pitch is imagine that you're in an elevator with someone and you have the amount of time that an elevator ride takes, so say 30 seconds, to pitch your idea, to tell them your idea. Uh, this is a superhero comic about a Canadian superhero. Like, that, okay, that's, that's fine. It doesn't tell us much, but it's something. You need maybe two lines, maybe three lines that sums up your project that you can just repeat and repeat and repeat again that draws people in. Uh, my uh, elevator pitch for Thunder is half Norse god, half Canadian, super polite. It doesn't tell a lot, but it's enough of a hook that people go, what? And they stop and they talk. So that Whatever it is that makes your book different. Yes, exactly. If makes your book different, you should rethink your book. I'm sorry? If there's nothing that makes your book different, you should rethink your book. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say that's true. Like, uh, let's talk about superheroes for a second because it's a very, very common comic theme. There are 100,000 superheroes out there, even in the independent world, superheroes, superheroes, superheroes. Why is yours different? Why is yours special? Why am I reading about them? Tell me. You have 30 seconds. Why is your hero different? You know, um, and that can be hard. So work on it. Um, Diaper Man was the first comic I actually published. And for years, I had it on my table and did not know how to describe it to people. I, I, I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and then I started with, do you like the tick? It's like the tick. <laughs> um, so which literally the opposite of what we said to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the <laughs> starting point. That was the first draft. Yeah, it totally was. <laughs> uh, because I didn't know how to talk about my own stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And now I talk about it in many different ways. And, of course, I'm blanking on my elevator pitch right now because I'm on, I'm on screen. I'm on camera. Um, do you guys remember the Diaper Man elevator pitch? No. <laughs> I remember you told me. My very good friends. Um, <laughs> oh, um, what if all superheroes were secret fetishists? Yes. There we go. Yeah. And immediately people are like, what? And then Mike chimed in with more so than they already are, which I thought was a great uh, end line, which I thought was really cool. Because uh, then people are like, oh. And then I started branching out with, imagine if Archie Comics had sex fetishes in it, but didn't go above a PG rating. More <laughs> so than it already does. Oh, have, have you seen Red Archie? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you'll find your rhythm. And once you've got your pitch down, it's going to be a lot easier for you to sell your stuff because you're able to tell people what it's about and then, you know, take a step back from the conversation, let them digest, and it should pull them in. You know, it should have them start asking more questions that you can just answer without a, a prepared response. And then yeah, hopefully... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How much energy to put out for each person because some people will be real scared and other people will be real interested. So don't overwhelm the scared people. Yeah. And that's the other thing, reading people. Um, now, those of us with social anxiety, I mean, that's a hard sell. That's, it's hard to do uh, because we don't want to read the people. That's too many people. Um, 
but you can get a general sense, and this will get easier the more you do it. You can get a general sense of whether someone is interested in buying or needs to be reeled in just that little bit. And you know what? Just a smile and being polite is, it's 50% of it right there. Just be approachable. You know, have your pitches ready, be approachable, and be okay with them browsing. Keep them engaged, and always be closing. ABC, always be closing. <laughs> Jeremy, do you have any questions? Because I know that uh, you've had many convention experiences, um, but I know that you also don't like to do this stuff. It's, uh, it's difficult for you. Is there something you wish someone had told you when you started? Um, <laughs> maybe I'm putting like, artists on the spot, by the way. Great. No, thanks. <laughs> maybe just don't be afraid to talk to people. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's hard because some people, they can't help it, right? Um, but realize that... Uh, the person on the other side of the table is probably just as nervous about talking to a stranger as you are. Yeah. Um, so just be polite, have your pitch ready, and smile. It, nothing more needs to be demanded of you than that. And mm -hmm. you will find, I promise, it gets easier the more you do it. Because by the, by the end of a nine-hour convention day, your fear is burned out. Sometimes 12. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes oh. 12 hours. Great. No like, breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Having a partner at your table means you can take a break every now and then. Remember that. It's important. Mm -hmm. If you're really in a pinch, it doesn't hurt to just go, hi, just let me know if you have questions and leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Like, wrong with that. Yeah, because you've established that you're approachable, but you're not going to bother them. And then they'll feel better about looking through your stuff. I like to tell people, oh, please, pick it up and have a look. Have a read. You know, like, go ahead and touch. Touch the comic. I don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Let's see here. Do we have anything we haven't covered yet? We've done social media. We've done conventions. Done hiring an extrovert to do your work for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about comic shops. You've done a comic. You want it in a comic shop. How do you do that? It is very, we very don't simple. Know. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very simple. You either you can either phone ahead and ask, you know, when the manager is in or whatever, or just mm. pop in and say, Do you carry local creators? Do you carry independent comics? Um, and, and if not, if, why not? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, rude. If, <laughs> yeah, if they say yes, that's great. Um, say, what do you like how do you work it? Is basically what I ask because there's sort of two ways. One, they will buy your comics at cost. Um, two, they will put your comics on um, and consignment. Consignment. Thank you. Where and you you set the price, they take part, and you take part, and you just work out a deal with them. Um, and, and, and this is common, you guys. So don't walk into a comic store thinking you're the first person that's ever come in and it's going to be a hard sell and, oh, my God. No, they're not only are they interested, but nine times out of ten, they're actively looking for new stuff to put on their shelves because it's no risk to them if they do it by consignment, you know. 
Um, and uh, the couple of stores that I've gone to that actually buy them outright, like they'll just buy a couple of each. And then what you do is you just follow up with them once a month and ask how sales are doing. Um, and you can do that over the phone. You don't even have to go into the store. Um, if you have a favorite comic store, which I hope you do, um, your work should be there. And you want to actually ask about maybe having a signing one day. Like when you've got a new comic coming out, maybe talk to your comic store and say, hey, could I do a signing here? And then all you have to do is make up the poster with the date on it, give it to them, they'll put it in the window, and then just show up with a whole bunch of Wearing a mask. Wear, yes, yeah, wear your mask. <laughs> yeah, a lot of information is kind of on hold for a while. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Kyle and I did a big press junket uh, a couple years ago. Like, we went to every comic store we could think of in Calgary and uh, took our new issue of Gloaming and a whole bunch of other issues uh, to all these places. So we got to know the lay of the land pretty well. And one store owner said to us, I'm so glad you guys came in. So many indie people don't come into the store or they come in, drop off something, and then I never see them again. Um, be involved with your work. Like, be, be checking up on it. Like, be personable with the comic store person because they're your business partner, really. Um, when you've got that comic in the store, you want to be up on what's selling and what isn't. Like, you want to discuss it with them. Maybe they have some strategies for you. Maybe they have some sales uh, advice for you. Um, but yeah, get to know your comic store people all across your town or city. And never stop. Always be closing. That's right. Um, this comics is not a business with a with a finish. It's an it's an ongoing thing. Um, you know what? Story arcs may finish, but then there's always next issue. Comics so, are for closers. Comics are for closers. <laughs> Put the comic down. <laughs> all right. So that's. I think that's all we've got uh, for today. So I'm going to sign off. This has been the Two Gargs live stream podcast. Your post hosts have been me, Michael McAdam, Mike Rieger, Kyle Burles, and Jeremy Few. Everybody wave. Hey, wave. Uh, wave. Now, if you want to help us succeed, here's what you can do. If you are watching this on Facebook, please give us some thumbs up. If you, oh, Sherry says something. Hang on. Hang Pause. Sherry, the, there you go. Boop. Uh, overtime. Aside from promoting your work on social media and in person, do you guys find value added in other marketing, such as merch, free promos, online contests, etc., to amp up interest in your brand? Um, I'll start. I'll say absolutely yes. Um, it's a great touch point. It gives people that one extra little boost that might make you memorable. <laughs> oh. Mike, do you do freebies? I I like to make merch, but uh, it is an outlay of money that isn't going to come back as sales. So, you know, be discerning about what merch you s decide to make. Don't go crazy making stuff because you think it's cool. Like, if you make 200 enamel pins of your character and no one knows who your character is, you've just eaten that. Oh, I've gone dark, yay. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, you're just yeah, you're just eating that cost. So yes, promo is supposed to do a job. Um, it is very cool to make stuff, but it's supposed to do a job. Kyle, you had a very interesting oh. promo. With, Which uh, one? The, I've done the, many. The golden ticket one. Oh yeah. Well, mostly in you know it was somewhat 
self-serving because it was a lot of my old stock of prints I don't carry anymore, you know, that have, you know, slight corner damage or something, but are still perfectible. I wanted to get rid of my old stock, and now he's back. Now he's in the dark. But um, better. I'm, I had all my posters kind of hidden, so it's almost like a grab bag. You don't know what you're getting. And out of the piles of 100-plus things, I would have taped inside of the rolls a golden ticket. So if you every time you bought an unknown print, you had a chance to win something, and I would make it, you get a chance to win one of my regular prints. You know, the full price, expensive ones. So this promo so, did uh, two jobs. It yeah. got rid of your old inventory and yeah. promoted getting to know your new inventory. Yes. And because it was a contest and a bit of adventure, it was a small outset. I think it was $2 originally. That for my prints are usually 20 um, You would still get a print, and but you would still get a chance. So it was like gambling, which is probably not a comparison but um <laughs> say no to gambling kids yeah but you had a customer yeah. buy out your whole stock did you not yep several so, times several thanks times. ray <laughs> thank you ray but so that was super successful right so that's yeah he always comes he, he has a tendency when i used to do that he would come back at the end of the show and buy up everything that was left wow now <laughs> that's a fan that's the kind of customer you want yeah it's like mm -hmm. a loyal customer coming back um Jeremy. Or I'm really enforcing his gambling habit. And if so, I apologize, Ray. <laughs> Sorry, Ray. <laughs> Jeremy, what, uh, you, like you've done like little things like sketch cards um, and other things that you just sort of, like they stay on the table and then you just sort of give them away like on the last day, like to promote those last day sales. Mm -hmm. um, has that worked for you? No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> See, and that's an example of like, like, great idea, but people just keep coming back to the table hoping to get the free thing, so they don't, yeah. they're not really going to buy. I, we something. get a lot of people that say, like, let's come back, let's come back to your table on Sunday. I'm like, are you going to have money on Sunday? Like, <laughs> I wait. Like, we're going to run out of stuff, maybe. Yeah. If all well. And that's yeah. part of the sales pitch, too, right? People say they're going to come back later. Let them know how well your stuff is selling, even if it isn't. You yeah. tell them that it's like, okay, I have three left, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and hopefully I threw get them I came, to... but that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> you want them to make their decision, make their decision for Jesus, or in this case, yeah. sales. <laughs> I, um, I did these chick tracts. Uh, they're like those little religious tracts, but each one is basically just a comic about my comics. And so I made myself okay with just giving them away. So yeah, it's it's an outlay of money, but it's that little extra bit of personality that I'm hoping causes people to go, you, you're the tract guy, and come back to the table. And that has happened. People have recognized me for those tracts um, and come back to look at the rest of my stuff because somebody you know left one in a bathroom somewhere and they're like, oh, who made this? I want to go. I want to go read his stuff. Um, I'm in my bus station, not Bizarro World. Right? <laughs> so yeah, um, absolutely promo and freebie stuff, um, merch. Um, it's good to have little freebies on your table just for that extra bit of memory that might actually bring those people back, but watch your cash outlay. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a free giveaway, you know, a small outlet of a you know, dollar item. Yeah, 
Exactly. Dollar items are huge. I mean, I think there are stores that base their whole idea on dollar items. I think they're called Money Rama or Dollar Tree. Also, be wary that you're not cluttering up your table with too much extraneous stuff. Like if your goal is to sell comics and your table's full of buttons and frid magic magnets and bumper stickers, it's going to be confusing to people walking by your booth as to what your goal is. So maybe just a few things. Yeah, keep your focus. Maintain your focus with a couple of little extra dressy bits and uh, that, that's a better strategy. I went through the nothing on my table but comics, everything but the kitchen sink on my table, and now I've distilled it down to comics first and foremost with a couple of add-ons. Um, and that, yeah, that was several years of trial and error to figure that out. Um, but uh, you got to do it. That's, that's how you learn. You learn by doing. At least I do. <laughs> all right, well, that's all the time we have. So if you want to help us succeed, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe down below. And if you're listening on the iTunes, please give us a five-star review. This has been the Two Gargoyles Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, have a great day and be kind to each other. Yeah. I feel like I'm in witness protection. <laughs> I'm afraid I'll confirm the conventions. So I've disguised my voice. <laughs>